The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, this is John Rocco, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free! There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the geek hey buddy <laughs> what are you what is all that yeah are you drinking is that what's it's, going on it's saint patrick's day man. oh you're right it is saint patrick's day as we're recording this for sure look at that beautiful stout you've got what a great glass look at that oh gorgeous I'm super jealous, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe uh, that'll happen again a little bit later on today. But certainly, we're going to get into so many things. Really, thank you all so much for joining us here on The Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. On the precipice of Justice League about to come out. On the precipice of Falcon and Winter Soldier about to start. we got so much to cover today and get into. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Outlaw Nation. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Modern Family, and Silicon Valley, and also a proud Scotsman celebrating with my Irish brethren today. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Doing his thing. Well, now, you know, for those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking a chance here on the Geek Buddies. Maybe you found us through our WandaVision reviews or our regular shows and you try to take and you wanted to take a chance on us and keep watching. Thank you so much. For those who've been returning every week, thank you even more 
for being a part of this and uh, watching us grow as we've grown uh, over the last few weeks has been over, incredible. Over over the pandemic, just bigger and yeah, bigger. Big, we've been growing bigger and wider. And I keep pushing the camera back and back so I can stay in the frame. But yes, uh, but thank you all so much. We love it madly. Uh, for those of you who are new, this is how the show works. Each of us presents a geek news item. We talk about it, uh, and then uh, we uh, take a little bit of a mini break and jump into our main topic. And of course, our main topic, as I just said, we are on the precipice of Falcon and Winter Soldier starting. We are going to do our road to the falcon and winter soldier series kind of talk about what led up to it uh what happened and what we might expect to see in this series no spoilers no spoilers at all it'll just be conversation about uh how we got here and what we might be seeing in the series um all right uh let's get into it who is uh who's ready to, is, is it my do i go first i think I, go I think you do all right well let's jump into the thing the other thing that we're on the precipice of as i said is justice league coming out as we're recording this, it's coming out, from what I understand, tonight at midnight for people at HBO Max. Uh, depending on where we drop this episode, either today or tomorrow morning, it is out already or will be out uh, for people to enjoy. The f- Am I correct on that, Mike and Shannon? Am I correct on that? It's coming out tonight? I think, yeah, yeah. I, believe, yeah. I believe it said midnight. Yeah, uh, midnight time. There we go. Midnight uh, on the 18th is out there. The four-hour epic is going to drop. We've been waiting for so long, and then boom, it feels like it just came around the corner. It's so crazy how quickly 2021 is going. But we've got some first reactions to them from some people with legitimate credibility in the business. Uh, Let's start off with Eric Davis first. He's the managing editor over at Fandango. He says, I can now say that I've watched Zack Snyder Just Leak, and it is Far superior to the original theatrical version, rich character development, much better action, a coherent story. Brandon Davis uh, said over there, Brandon, of course, uh, who is a who is the uh, CEO of Good News at ComicBook.com. I'm sure a lot of you have read his reviews. He said there were two moments in Zack Snyder's Justice League that really made me pop out of my seat in excitement. I won't spoil them by saying more. I am so happy fans are getting to see the movie they fought for. Congrats to them and to Zach and to Debbie. Kevin McCarthy, who I love madly, Kevin McCarthy said Zach Snyder's Just League is a masterpiece. Snyder brings his brilliant technical and emotional storytelling to an awesome continuation of what he beautifully built in Man of Steel and BVS. Uh, there are a number of other people here chiming in who felt the same way. Jermaine Lucier said, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's both very different and eerily similar to the original film with almost all the changes and additions improving the character's and the story, and of course, Jermaine Lucier is over there at Gizmodo and IO9. But to be fair, there are also a number of critics uh, so, uh, at the LA Times, a number of places who said that the film felt long, uh, that it, if you're a Zack Snyder, Roth, I think Roth Cornette said it, if you're a Zack Snyder fan, this is absolutely your bag. If you're not, I don't think this is the film to get you over into the world of the Zack Snyder verse. So, Certainly, there's a lot of positive, and I think it's around 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, or 85% of Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, there have been some reviewers who have uh, have some issues with the length of the movie and the overall approach. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, Michael, I'll go to you first. Uh, oh, I think... Uh, <laughs> No. You, you, your reviews are very uh, skewed. I mean, some of the other uh, some yeah, of the please, other comments. Please, uh, Darren. Some Fr- people said it was over long. So, yeah. Darren Franich from Entertainment Weekly. Zack Snyder's Justice League is just another bad Justice League. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Uprocks. Uh, my mindset of this movie has changed from a disaster to a competently a competently made interesting misfire. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, is that? Um, <laughs> 
Snyder's version is a better film, yes, but it's no Superman swooping in at the last minute to save the day. It isn't immensely better. That's from Shakefire, Matt Rodriguez. So I think, like, what's interesting, and, like, that's not to say that, like, the movie's bad. I actually, as I've said to these guys, I spent the past week watching Man of Steel, Batman yeah. vs. Superman. Uh, this past weekend I watched the Joss Whedon Justice League, just so that was fresh in my mind. Uh, and I, I legitimately, I told Mike Kalinowski last night, like, I, I don't know that I'm going to like this movie, but I'm legitimately excited to see what it is. Yeah. What I think is fascinating is as you're looking at this review, these reviews, there's no middle ground. No, there like, is. There, there is either this is the masterpiece we've been waiting for or Zack Snyder movie is still a Zack Snyder movie. I don't want it. Yeah. Uh, you know, general, general consensus does seem to be that even people who don't like the movie think it's better than the Justice League we got. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that's a, that's a low bar to, to, to get over. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's not easy to be worse than that Justice League movie. So I do think it's going to be interesting, but I think that based on the reviews, we are st- Zack Snyder is still as divisive as hell. It, it, is, it is fascinating as I've been watching the movies and going onto Twitter and like talking to some people about it and going back and forth with fans, uh, the fans who agree with my take on Snyder and fans who very much don't agree with my take on Snyder. It is amazing how passionate people are on both sides of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shannon, you know, Mike is right to point out. There are some people who have had issues with the length of it issues with how it's, uh, how it's presented. Uh, certainly there are some, uh, complaints yeah, and people about- who just think it's bad. Yeah, and I was just going to get to that, but okay, yeah, some people who think that it's bad as well, uh, that, that we have heard some of that, but then people like Owen Gleiberman over at Variety singing its praises. Scott Menzel, my friend over at the Hollywood Critics Association, which I am a member of, he called it a masterpiece. So, you know, what uh, What do you think about these overall reactions and the Rotten Tomato score that has it at 85%? Well, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is not a site that I trust. I mean, it's, it's, it, wow. it, it, okay. it, well, I mean, it just, it collects everyone's reviews. I mean, they, it, right. it's not like, it, it's not, an, it's not a unique take. It's literally sorry, sorry. just. It's, it's 77%. Sorry about that. Go ahead. You okay. I mean, there are plenty of movies that have high reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that I'm not a fan of. And, yeah, and, and, and that just speaks to taste. For any of these reviews to be like, well, it's too long. It's, to me, it's just kind of the dumbest thing to say. It's like, well, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you knew going in, it was going to be four hours. Right. And, well, you know, they're doing this for the for the people that have been clamoring for this for three years now, yeah. over three years now. Like, this is this is what the, that they're doing it for those fans. And yeah. if they can get more people excited along the way, which I do think they have done, they've done their job. Now yeah. the, the the Forbes from the Forbes article Forbes review from Scott Mendelson that I thought was really funny is yeah. <laughs> it is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is mostly the same 118 minute movie but with two hours of deleted scenes and even if you consider it a multi part miniseries because it is divided up into chapters uh, poor, poor pacing <laughs> okay I mean. You know, uh, I, I was yeah. with Vogel and Kalinowski last night, and once uh, Kalinowski and I walked to our cars, I was just like, all right, knowing my taste, do you think I'm going to like this? Mm. And he was just like, well, I don't know, champ. <laughs> 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 but but watching, I, I mean, to watch this as an experiment is, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. Because I remember watching the, the Whedon cut uh, when it came out in 2017. Yeah. And the first thing, obviously, the first scene was Superman with the weird CGI mouth. I was like, something's not right. But then when, yeah. we, when you got to uh, Bruce 
meeting Barry for the first time. And there is a very clear, uh, like, this was what Snyder shot. This is what Whedon added. And right. it was so distracting. Like, I'm looking forward to watching this one as an experiment. Um, but also, I just want to see what was Zack Snyder's uninterrupted version was supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know if that means I'm going to like it more, but right. I'm really excited to see it because I really do love all these characters. Yeah, and, and this may be further proof, and I was talking about this with Steve last night on The Cinephiles, like, it's further proof, possibly, that Zack Snyder is an epic filmmaker. Whether you like it or not, whether you like what he produces or not, epic does not imply good, it just implies epic. And he he makes these long movies, and these movies are better um, most of the time when they're his cut. Watchmen is a better version as his director's cut. BVS Ultimate Edition, a lot of people say is better than the original BVS cut. And this ultimately sounds like it's going to be better than the Joss Whedon cut. So he seems to be a filmmaker that thrives better in longer present, longer form presentation. And that may be something we have to reckon with. And if studios want to hire him to do stuff, they also have to agree or look at the fact that he does better telling stories in longer format. And people seem to enjoy them overall in the longer format than in the shorter format i don't i'm just putting that out there uh, yeah Mike? i mean i'd be curious what does a Zack snyder eight episode limited series look like like if yeah. this is a guy who oh, likes God, to have I love that plenty of runway like like what would that look like like mm-hmm. that might be a format that really suits his suits his style yeah for sure uh, to go along with this, just to give some uh, balance here, uh, here are the people who liked it. If we look at the top critics, Deadline liked it of Hollywood, The Daily Beast, uh, t- uh, uh, Vanity Fair, Richard Lawson liked it, um, uh, Vulture, uh, New York Magazine liked it, Empire Magazine liked it. The people that didn't like it, the critics for the ILA Times, the critics for the New York Times, uh, the critics for Entertainment Weekly, uh, and the critics for Hollywood Reporter and Time Out had some issues with the movie. So, uh, it seems, as Michael said, uh, kind of a, a split down the middle type of thing, one way or the other. There's not a lot of mealy mouth approach to this overall, but at least this must spark your excitement, right, Mike? To at least see what we have here, as opposed to a home drum effort, right? I I am with Shannon that the the experiment of this is fascinating to me, yeah. and I am really curious, especially kind of like like. Again, we and we've talked about this forever, and we'll talk about this in our review when we review the movie, but like, yeah. I, I don't deny the fact that Zack Snyder makes a beautiful-looking movie. I mean, yeah. like, his shots are gorgeous, the color palette is gorgeous, like, he makes things look gorgeous, and so watching them all back-to-back to go from Man of Steel to Batman vs. Superman to Justice League, Justice League is not gorgeous. Justice League is yeah, not no, a pretty-looking movie. Right. Justice League just feels very small in, yeah. in comparison to the other two. Uh, I don't particularly like the stories in the other two for a lot of reasons, but they are really, really good-looking movies. And so I think this four-hour uh, epic that we are about to dive into, I'm, I'm curious to see it as a point of comparison to really break apart what jo- – I mean, you can kind of tell, but to really break apart the stuff that, oh, wow, they didn't use this at all. This was all Joss. Oh, this is where he really wanted to go. And having read some of the early reviews, I'm really excited to see the way that... And again, this is something he wouldn't have probably been able to have even done if he had finished the movie and it had come out, but that he just has the runway and the time to really dive into all these side stories, like with uh, well, like with Cyborg and his dad and Barry Allen's whole backstory. And just that I am really curious to see 
the way that this movie sort of dives into all of the side stories. Because what I've heard is, you know, that we really kind of go off into these little tangents that you would never have been able to do in a two and a half hour movie. Uh, and I'm just, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how how it's similar and how it's different. Yeah, and you mentioned our review. We should announce it now. Uh, we are going to be doing a live review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And the gentleman the, that both of these gentlemen just mentioned, Mike Kalinowski, will be joining us for uh, the live review Sunday night, 7 p.m. PT on uh, the Outlaw Nation channel on the Geek Buddy Show. We will be doing a review uh, of Zack Snyder's Just League, 7 p.m. PT. So put it on your calendar now. You know it's going to be explosions when Kalinowski and Vogel get together. So it's going to be a hell of a thing to watch it all uh, go down. And I think it's going to be me and Kalinowski on one side versus Shannon and Vogel on the other. So it'll be a fun conversation for sure. I feel, I feel like it's going to be you and Kalinowski on one side. Yeah. Me all alone at the other end. Okay. And Shannon in the middle being like, uh, I don't know, guys. It was all right. I don't want any kind of fighting. Okay. Uh, why, do, why do daddy and daddy have to fight? <laughs> you respect that. You respect. So put it on your calendars. We'll, of course, be announcing it on social media as well. But that's uh, we just locked that down today. Uh, and we've got another announcement coming up later on in the show as well uh, to, the, to, uh, to attach, atta- attach on to Falcon and Winter Soldier later on. So, all right, let's move on to our second. Uh, and like I said, it's out now for you to enjoy. Let us know what you think and then come watch our review on Sunday night. All right, what's our next thing? <laughs> you might need those four days to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I think so. Six <laughs> parts, four hours. I already told uh, my girlfriend tomorrow morning, don't come ask me anything from uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm going to be busy. I uh, Listen, I know that we're all excited for Justice League. Yes. I know we're excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But the biggest news of the week, mm-hmm. dwarfing those two things completely, is that next month, Disney Plus is bringing the Ewoks to all of us. That, that is the real news, people. Uh, Disney Plus uh, announced uh, in just the past day or so that uh, in April, April 2nd to be precise, they are uh, bringing a lot of classic Star Wars content to Disney Plus. Uh, they will be bringing us 1984's Caravan of Courage and Ewok mm. Adventure. Uh, its sequel, Ewoks, The Battle of Endor. Yeah. Uh, the two-season animated series, Star Wars Ewoks, from 1985. And for Clone Wars fans, uh, the original Gendi Tartakovsky uh, 2D animated Clone Wars miniseries, animated shorts that led to the CG Clone Wars that we all obviously know and love. Right. And in addition to all of that, they're also releasing... Uh, the story of the faithful Wookiee, which is the animated portion of the infamous original Star Wars holiday special wow. that is famous because it is the original uh, introduction of Boba Fett. So that kind of makes it kind of important in the history of Star Wars. So uh, a lot of really nerdy, questionably quality Star Wars content is coming to coming to Disney Plus. But I'm excited about it. I love those Ewok movies. They're horrible. They are horrible TV movies, and I love them. I think they are great. Wilfred Brimley is in the second one. He is stranded on Endor. It is, it is all the things. So, uh, so yeah, that is, that is the big Star Wars news this week. Uh, what do you guys think? Are, you guys, are, we, are we finally going to dive in and review these Ewok movies like I've been wanting to do for so long on Cinephiles? Is it going to happen? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Shannon? I, I mean... 
I, I would not be opposed to that. If we wanted to do a special live episode <laughs> where, we, where we review Caravan of Courage and, and Battle of Endor, I would not be opposed to that. Like, Battle of, like Caravan of Courage, I, I remember loosely, Battle of Endor, that was one of those movies that my parents, you know, it was on network TV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were both TV specials. Um, I remember Battle of Endor, my parents recorded that on, on VHS. Oh, movie, yeah. And I wore that tape out. I mean, mm. I watched, I probably watched that every day because it was before, um, it was before the Star Wars movies had been released. Like you might have been able to record it on, on HBO, but, yeah. but outside, outside of like being able to catch it on, on television and recording it, you know, that was where you got your Star Wars. And so I loved Wilford Brimley's Noah character. I loved Teak who not an Ewok, but small and furry, but can run really he was, fast. He was a little furry speedster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took what I love about the flash from the super friends and put it in, and put it in an Ewok like character yeah. and the animated series. Like I remember when those came out on Saturday mornings, it was, it was Ewoks and there was a droid show. And like, mm, I don't yeah. remember as much about the Ewoks. I do remember that they all spoke. They all spoke English. Right. Um, I really remember a lot about the droid series. So, like anything with Disney Plus or, or any of the streaming services, when you bring something, at least from my childhood, I'm definitely going to check it out for a moment and be like, oh, yeah, this this maybe didn't age quite as well. <laughs> but but I'll certainly take a look. And if you guys want to do a, 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 a two-part or a, or a two-hander <laughs> Ewok movie review, Slancha, let's do it. Well, that, that, one, that one will have a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking for that one. That's fair. <laughs> we just launched a new show on the Cinephiles. We're calling it Cinephiles Live. We're doing it once a month where we just get together and talk about a movie that would not qualify for the Cinephiles and doesn't qualify for a short. So somewhere in the middle. So that could be a lot of fun to be talking about all those movies in a Cinephiles Live discussion for people to chime in and, and uh, have their questions about, for sure. I would um, love to hear Steve's clinical take on the e <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there is one. But no, I, I, I love this idea. Because, I mean, for a long time, remember, you guys know, and everybody listening or watching us knows who's under, who understands the lore of Star Wars, you had to, like, meet a guy in an alley to get a VHS boot, uh, bootleg copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Because even George Lucas didn't allow that thing to come out for decades after it was uh, after it was screened on ABC on television. He felt it was destroying the overall uh, uh, feeling of the movie or arc of the series. And so they tried to put that away. I love that we're in a position now, finally, where we've kind of grown up as Star Wars fans. We have so much Star Wars content to enjoy. It's very much a part of the lexicon again that we can release that in the humor that it's intended and be cool with it and have fun with it and enjoy it and not take it seriously. And that's a great thing. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you totally. It's, it's, the, it's the flip side of what's great about streaming right now. We've mm -hmm. talked a lot about with Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out with Mandalorian that we have a level of quality to our Star Wars content that yeah. we haven't had in television and across the board in a long time. Like yep. Star Wars is doing really, really well right now. People are really loving it. And a large part of that is, like I said, the high quality series that we are getting and going are continuing to get mm -hmm. on Disney Plus. But it is great that on the other end of it, as they are filling things out with their library content and saying, let's put this up, that we're getting the other end of things. Because it yeah. does kind of I think ultimately 
and we talk about this a lot, uh, and lots of, every fandom is guilty of this, uh, and Star Wars is certainly guilty of this, of people taking things a little too seriously sometimes. Yeah. And we do it too. We all get mad about the things we love. It's great that we're so passionate. But I think maybe putting things like the Ewok adventure and uh, the Ewoks animated series and stuff like that up there will remind us that even these things that we love passionately everyone has their uh, skeletons in their closet and Disney Plus is definitely putting those skeletons out there for everybody to see. <laughs> That's all. But I'm looking forward to the uh, Tarnikovsky Clone Wars stuff. Um, I reached out to Laura Kelly, who of course I co-host the Jedi with Jedi way with, and we're going to take next week off because I've got a big match coming up. I just want to spend as much time as I can studying for it next Friday for the Schmodown. And after that, we'll be back the next week with a live episode. And she's never seen those movies. So we oh. are going to talk about those movies on a live episode of the Jedi way. They'll have come out, I think just before we go live, the day before we go live. So we'll have watched them and consumed them and had a fun and be ready to talk about them. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Cause it's been a long time since I've seen those movies. And so it'll be fun to kind of jump into and explore those, but certainly the holiday special. I mean, that's uh, that to me feels like a midnight watch along with a couple of beers and, or at least, and, just having a good time laughing along with other people. So it is some awesome. weird animation. That animation yeah. is weird. Like, yeah, it's, it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be fun to revisit all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, as Shannon said, you kind of watch a few episodes and you're like, Oh, not as good as I remembered. All right, <laughs> cool. Good to know. <laughs> I was an easy to please viewer back then. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, that, that'll be coming out very soon on Disney plus. So keep your eyes open for that. Ladies and gentlemen, I think in April. So get ready for all of that dropping very, very soon. All right. Where are we on to next? Yeah. So we found out last week at the AT&T investor day that Zatanna and Batgirl are coming to HBO max. So Walter Hamada did a big profile, did a big interview with the New York Times back in December, and he had he had mentioned that they were looking into like how how when they're looking at properties like what's the HBO Max connection? What can we do for HBO Max? And he mm-hmm. said that they started to look at making uh, a couple of movies a year primarily for HBO Max. And he actually mentioned <laughs> I think he referred to it as I don't know if it was him or the writer that referred to it as characters that were less less risky. So <laughs> take from that what you will. <laughs> but right. he, but he specifically mentioned Batgirl and Static Shock. So at this AT&T Investor Day uh, last week, they put up a big graphic of the DC properties that were on the way, and certainly Batgirl was up there. Now, Batgirl, you know, we've, it's, it's been in the works for a while. They, yeah. There was a version with uh, Joss Whedon that he, that he uh, walked away from. Uh, and then Christina Hodson, who's a very well-known screenwriter. She did Birds of Prey. She did Bumblebee. She's the writer for uh, The Flash coming up. Uh, she was then assigned to to take on Batgirl. So right now we're assuming that she's going to be the one doing Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Now, someone that, that really hadn't been mentioned by herself a lot was Z- uh, Zatanna. So, you know, for those, I'm sure all of our audience knows, but she's a stage magician in the comics mm-hmm. who wields actual magic. And she's uh, often associated with the Justice League, Justice League Dark, um, which, you know, we all know that Bad Robot is developing a series for that. Um, but she's also, you know, gets associated a lot with Batman. I mean, like some really, really great Batman Zatanna stories out there. But Zatanna is coming as well. Now, we don't know if she's going to be a film or a series, but the graphic that they displayed, I mean, really, really exciting stuff coming down the pipe for from DC and HBO Max. But gentlemen, what do we think? Barbara Gordon, Zatanna, who are we more excited to see? Ah! I would have to say Zatanna. I've seen 35 Batgirls. I, I, I'm excited. Not that this one won't be great, 
But I've never seen a, a live-action Zatanna, really. So I'm excited for that. I want to see uh, what her story is. I want to see it explored. I think we're way more open now, which studios finally discovered we're way more open now as an audience to look at female led stuff, to look at the uh, stuff led by people of color. So to me, this opens the door to a character that a lot of people have low key revered for quite some time. She's got great power. She's an interesting character. Her storyline, she's beautiful. There's so much to enjoy and admire here as a comic book fan that you can kind of dive into and explore the story. Plus if they lead that off to connect her with the overall group, of Justice League Dark, that could be a lot of fun because remember J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot, they're supposedly in conversations to do that as well. And for those of you who don't know, this is Zatanna right there. It's a rendition of Zatanna, which I think is pretty uh, fantastic uh, overall uh, there. So, yeah, I mean, just just great stuff overall. What about you, Mikey? Uh, I'm, I'm interested in both. Uh, I think with DC, okay. there's their track record is a lot of announcements and 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 less actual releases this is not in so so you know like when marvel and, and again and like they've they've been going they've gone through a lot of changes now with hbo max as an outlet like hopefully that's going to change but you know like when marvel comes out and has their here's the 10 shows we're releasing you're like those 10 shows are coming out DC has had, here's a movie we're making, here's someone attached to this movie, you know, what's happening with Ava DuVernay's New Gods? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that, like, there's been so many announcements that I'm a little bit more like, we'll see. Uh, Batgirl specifically has had so many incarnations, as Shannon said, that it, it, it's such, like, a head-scratcher. It's like, well, are we going to get a Batgirl? And if we do get a Batgirl... Um, not that you can't have a Batgirl story that is completely independent from the Bat universe, because you can, and Barbara Gordon is a great character. But uh, Barbara Gordon, a big part of her story that I like is her relationship with Dick, who's the original Robin. So are oh, we yeah. going to get a Dick Grayson? And if we get a Dick Grayson, do we have a Batman? But we already have a Batman series coming. So, like, again, like with the Bat universe, you get really caught up in how do you contextualize this? Yeah in the world of Gotham City. And so I have, it doesn't mean that you can't do a thousand different things to do it in its own way. I'm just more curious as to what that's gonna be. Kind of to Johnny's point with Zatanna, I'm interested, A, I think Zatanna's a great character, um, but with J.J. Abrams doing Justice League Dark, with them announcing Constantine kind of getting his spin-off oh, series, yeah. it's probably gonna tie into that. And now Zatanna is on the docket. It's like, well, this feels to me like you're creating a little Justice League Dark universe. And if we get a, a Justice League Dark series and spinning out of that, we get movies or individual series based around Swamp Thing, uh, uh, Zatanna, Constantine, Dead Man, you know, any of these characters that are more associated with Justice League Dark, that's really cool to me. And I think that's good. So I think that, you know, again, in the context of looking at the bigger brand of DC and how Warner Brothers, DC, HBO Max are going to be distributing that all out to us, uh, the Zatanna one makes more sense to me. And the Batgirl one, while very excited, because Barbara Gordon's one of my favorites, leaves me with more questions. Yeah. yeah. I mean Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead John. No, 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 no. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say when I when I did my binge of all the the DC the DC oh, yeah. animated films, um, I believe it was at the end of Batman: Bad Blood where the the post credit sequence was was Batgirl was showing up. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love those movies, my my one critique was like, oh my god, you ended them so early. Like like there there were still there was still so much left on the table. Like we got Batgirl at the end, and then we got her, I believe, just in the last movie. And I was like, I would have loved to have seen more of that character. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and look, I, I, I only use Marvel as the comparison because they're the ones that have done this in a bigger sense than anybody else. I, like a lot of times, I know Kalinowski brings this up. I'm not saying that DC has to do what Marvel's doing or copy them. There's a mm-hmm. thousand different ways to crack a superhero universe, and Marvel has done the interconnected, everything is connected, characters showing up in different movies. And I'm not saying that DC has to do that. And if DC wants to do every one of their heroes in a standalone world, that's completely valid and do like kind of high-end things like the Joker movie that Todd Phillips did. Like that's a thousand percent valid and they can do it. I just do feel like the bigger win for them, kind of to Shannon's point about uh, the animated universe with Bad Blood is particularly with the Bat universe where Batman, Dick, Tim, Damien, Barbara, yeah. like, you know, uh, 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 Katie, like, like just, it is a, it is a connected universe. It's the Bat family. And so as they kind of pluck out these characters and say, well, we're doing this, we're doing that. It's like, you can, but I, I kind of want it to be more. Yeah. And given everything that they've done with Batman and the fact that we've had, uh, you know, Nolan's Batman and Batfleck, and now we're getting Robert Pattinson, but then also we're getting Michael Keaton back. And, you know, it's just like, there's a lot going on with Batman, and I'm curious as to how they can sort of wrap the rest around it, or if they even want to. So yeah. they could, like I said, they could do a Batgirl that is completely her own thing, and she is inspired by Batman, and Batman never shows up. And if the story's good and compelling, I will definitely watch and be excited. But yeah, like, that's where that's where I kind of, more, I guess, the executive business head side of me is like, well, this would be smarter if you did it this way. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, th- when you look at all this, it seems like, at least on the DC side of things, there's a better track record for their TV shows, their, for their streaming shows. That kind of stuff seems to have a better track record overall than some of the overall look of uh, of uh, the DC movies since 2000. I'm sorry, since Man of Steel. Since Man of Steel came out, there's been some uneven uh, uh, track record here. But on the show side... We're seeing Superman Lois getting great reviews. We certainly enjoyed it. Uh, so if they start going to a uh, Star Girl, a lot of people love Star Girl. People love Black Lightning. They're moving away from the standard CW approach to things, which kind of like let them have a foothold in the TV industry with their shows on the CW, and now moving over into a little more a harder fare, a little more hardcore fare, a little more real, a little more grittiness. And I'd like to see that with Zatanna or yeah. Batgirl for sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I mean. There. But look, Berlanti, as you pointed out, I mean, Berlanti kind of owns DC superheroes yeah. on the CW. I mean, he's really kind of hit, Berlanti's production company has kind of defined that. And you have Berlanti now doing the uh, the Green Lantern show that's going to be on HBO right. Max. Right, right, right. And as we said, I think in our Lois and our Superman and Lois review, Superman and Lois definitely is a step up. Compa- and, and I enjoy the CW shows, but mm-hmm. Superman and Lois is definitely a step up in sort of tone, quality effects budget and that i think is just a stepping stone to what we're going to see with green lantern which is going to be much higher budget uh and probably look a lot closer to feature quality effects like we're seeing on all the streamers Mm -hmm. and so with berlanti kind of stepping up to do a show on that level for hbo max combined with jj abrams coming in to do justice league dark uh, and knowing that J.J. Abrams is also producing this new Superman film that Warner Brothers is doing. You know, like, you could do worse than having a team-up of J.J. Abrams and Greg Berlanti kind of yeah. defining the road for superheroes. Like, yeah. I, of all of all the people that, we've, that have been thrown around to sort of be the Feige of DC or to shape the, the, the future of DC, like, 
those two kind of know what they're doing. Yeah, and one I, I think Berlanti will keep Abrams in check as well, and vice versa. I feel yeah. like that that'll be the and well, you've got to land the plane, JJ. Uh, yeah. You gotta land the plane. I'd yeah. say they let JJ start it, and Greg's like, all right, how do I how do I finish this? Yeah. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Uh what you step I'm gonna take over and fly this thing too. <laughs> I think once they get in the air, Berlanti takes over and lands it. So yeah, I mean overall, this is great. I mean, I I no, there's not there's no division here. We don't. We on the Geek Buddy, we're not cheering for Marvel over DC or DC over Marvel. I think we just want to have great stuff that we can all enjoy, and yeah. hopefully this this uh, turns out to be well and not, um, like Michael said, it correctly pointed out, not just hey, we've got all this coming down the pike, and then we never hear anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look honestly, like my the best thing in the world for all of us would be for all of these movies to come out, all yeah. of these series to come out, and all of them to be amazing. Like yeah. Yeah. I would rather be arguing the slight degrees of difference between all these shows and which one is better, but they're all so good, uh, then go, oh, this was a real misfire. This one really didn't work for us. Like, so yeah, good. Hopeful, hopeful for all of the things that are being announced. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here before we get into, and I'm sure we'll hear when they announce Zatanna, when they announce a cast for a a Batgirl and Zatanna, we'll see it down the road for sure. Uh, We'll keep tabs on it, but uh, let's take a quick break uh, and we'll jump into our main topic, the road to the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll be right back right after this. Do, 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 do. Called it. Do, Knew that was it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> On your left. Do, oh, nice. Do, do, do. Oh. That was good. Oh. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go into our main topic. As everybody knows, uh, well, here we go. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, Falcon and Winter Soldier is uh, coming out. Uh, on Friday, it'll be a Thursday midnight drop right there. Kind of like a WandaVision there. You can enjoy it. Watch it. It's about 48 minutes. I've seen the first episode, full disclosure, but I will not reveal anything. No spoilers, nothing at all. It's very fortunate to see the first episode. But we are going to break down and talk about how we got to this series. Or maybe some of you who maybe haven't seen all the movies or haven't kept in touch with everything. We're also going to touch on the comic book connections, touch on things that we see that might be coming, and speculate Uh, who we might see, and what their roles are based on the trailers that we've seen already. Mikey, Mephisto! Yes, Mephisto will be in this one, damn it. Somewhere, somehow, he is going to show up. (laughs) He's going to keep yelling at He's going to keep yelling until he shows up. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Mikey, do you want to start us off, man? How did we start this whole journey off, my friend? Yeah, listen, uh, this this is a journey a long time in the making, and it started uh, with Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, You know, as we look at the two leads of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier... Bucky Barnes uh, showed up really early. He was uh, Steve Rogers' best buddy. Mm -hmm. He uh, was looking out for Steve Rogers when Steve Rogers was just a scrawny little kid. Uh, Kind of the big brother, the family that Steve Rogers didn't have. Mm -hmm. And uh, their bond uh, stayed true. And once Steve Rogers became Captain America and uh, went to fight over in Europe, he rescued Bucky Barnes. Uh, you know, to you know, bringing it back around, uh, they uh, they and the rest of the Howling Commandos were badass soldiers, kicking kicking uh, kicking Germany's ass, and uh, ultimately and sadly and tragically, Bucky Barnes died. Uh, fell off a tra- fell off a moving train to his peril. A moment that 
I feel is kind of cheesy, uh, okay. you know, of, of all the things, of all the things that I love. It's well, and this is actually one of the, like, just to say this is what I love about Marvel is, yeah. we all know, anyone who read the comics knew, uh, you know, that this is kind of the Bucky Barnes story. Um, but like, the way it was shot, the way it was done, I love Captain America, the first Avenger, but there's some, there are some parts definitely in the second, uh, the second half of it that, you know, feel a little rushed, a little cheesy. And the death of Bucky is definitely one of those moments. Okay. Uh, but it's amazing to me that despite the fact that that moment doesn't 100% work for me in the original Captain America movie, they made the most out of that. They yeah. really uh, they, they really did it. And so, yeah, so Captain America First Avenger, that's pretty much the gist of what you need to know, aside from the fact that Cap gets frozen in ice and wakes up a whole bunch of years later in the modern day uh, as, as the original super soldier. But then, really, the... The Falcon and Winter Soldier story really just tracks through, for the most part, the Captain America movies. Uh, the next time that we really pick things up is in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Literally right off the bat, meet Sam Wilson uh, as he is trying to just get his workout on and is getting shamed to, uh, to no end by Steve Rogers' amazing cardio skills, which is where we get the famous on your left line. Um, so Sam, uh, you know, Sam uh, is also a soldier, uh, also uh, dealing with a lot of the same things that Steve is dealing with. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is a soldier's life when there's not a war to fight? Uh, you know, and so Sam is working with a lot of veterans. Sam and Sam, uh, Sam and Steve become friends. And when a new assassin shows up and starts killing people with some crazy cool powers, this guy, the Winter Soldier, turns out to be Bucky because yeah. comic books are... A big soap opera with punching. Um, but yeah, so we see Bucky Barnes back from the dead, just like Steve Rogers, find out that Hydra kind of took him off the ground after he fell out of that train, did similar experiments with him, and he has been the ultimate assassin for them throughout the years. Uh, and as we discover that Hydra has sort of taken over S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, Cap is sort of in the middle of everything. He becomes public enemy number one. He and Natasha, the Black Widow, only have Sam to trust. And we get to see Sam's awesome abilities in his Falcon gear. Uh, and Sam, Falcon, and Natasha kind of take on S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Hydra. Uh, and ultimately things end with Steve uh, duking it out with Bucky Barnes and refusing to kill him. Refusing, yeah. he says to Bucky, if you're gonna do it, do it, I'm not gonna fight you. And we see the hint of humanity uh, in Bucky Barnes, which drives us right to Civil War. Uh, with a, well, actually I will say we have a, if you really wanna be a completionist, you take a quick detour over to Ant-Man, the yeah. original Ant-Man, where you do get to see Paul Rudd kick the shit out of Falcon in a very okay. embarrassing, in a very uh, embarrassing moment for Falcon. I don't know if I would say kick the shit. I wouldn't say kick the shit. He won the fight, but and, 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 if, and if you want to take a further detour to Age of Ultron, we see that that uh, uh, Sam has been mm -hmm. on the lookout for Bucky. Like he has yeah. been doing this search yeah. while Steve is off avenging, and Sam's kind of like, "Your world is avenging. Like I can't, I can't wrap my head around this." And at the end of Age of Ultron, we see that Steve and Natasha have formed the new Avengers, and one of them being Sam Wilson. Yeah, Very good point. Very let's good point. Let's stop here before we dive into yeah. Let's Let's go back through all of this. Yeah, exactly. This is what's so fascinating about it. It's so brilliant. They were best friends. And remember, this, this relationship is important between Bucky Barnes and Steve Rogers. But, uh, Steve was the, the skinny kid who, who couldn't, you know, wasn't physically that strong, but he had the heart of a lion, uh, you know, that whole I could go all day. And he was essentially the submissive in a dominant submissive relationship. 
But when he gets the super serum, the soldier super soldier serum, he all of a sudden becomes the dominant in and and uh, uh, Bucky becomes a submissive, which really messes with Bucky. We see that in this in relation. I'm not talking gay terms, so get your mind out of the gutter. So <laughs> I didn't know it was that kind of movie. I'm just saying. Well, I American. would say maybe uh, the primary versus oh, the dominant. Maybe the you primary. Guys are, you guys are instilling that meaning to what I'm saying. You know, relationships are dominant or submissive. Primary and how... secondary. <laughs> Look, all right, fine. Whatever you want to say. Primary, <laughs> secondary. It's America's ass. That's what we're saying. But either way, it's you know, primary <laughs> and secondary situation. And Bucky has a hard time with it. He has a hard time with it. Has to go through his own journey of seeing Steve become this leader, become this thing that Bucky once was. And in essence, when Bucky dies, he's almost like ceding the lead role to Steve in a way uh, and goes down. And right, we find out later he becomes a super soldier and he's tortured as we go to Civil War by all the things he's done. But the things that finally break it, the thing that finally breaks it is Steve constantly believing in him, constantly trying to make him remember, constantly trying to make him come out of this haze that he has been programmed to be in to commit these atrocities for decades. And on the other side with Sam Wilson, you're right, he is like, uh, uh, you know, counseling veterans, helping people in these situations, but going through his own thing uh, as well, uh, going through his own journey as he struggles with who he is and where he wants to go next. He's a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, has those metal wings. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got Red Wing, that little drone buddy of his as well. So there's a lot of that uh, as we go into Civil War. I'm sorry, Mike. And, and, and yeah. also, oh, let me sorry. Jump, in, yeah. jump in real quick. Yeah. I mean, some of the some of the changes that uh, the MCU does make um, are, are really smart changes um, for a modern audience for the big screen. Uh, Bucky mm -hmm. back in the comics, he he was he was Cap's sidekick. I mean, he was he mm -hmm. was essentially his Robin. Right. And the idea that you're having a little kid run around the fields of World War II. That just didn't work. So it was a really, really smart, smart change that they made. And I agree, like uh, in that scene, Bucky's Bucky's death scene in, in First Avenger, it is a little rushed. Um, if you go back onto Disney Plus, there's an animated series called Avengers Assemble, uh, and they have a terrific, terrific Captain America episode that that is sort of like looks back sort of like newsreel type footage and you see that it's it's not a train it's the red skull has some sort of rocket ship that yeah. cap latches onto he tells bucky stay here as they're you know zipping up into the air he looks back and bucky has held on and and oh my god like th this this moment mm -hmm. still get, gets me gets me gets me misty eyed yeah. bucky slips cap catches him and it's sort of like do i stop the bad guy or do i save my friend and bucky oh but Bucky uh, is the one who makes the sacrifice. He says, the world needs you more than me. Yeah. And he lets go. Oh, my God. And the changes that they made to Sam as well. I mean, in the comics, when Sam was first introduced, this is a guy who, who, who kept a bird coop. I mean, yeah. like, and he could communicate uh, uh, telepathically. Uh, and Red Wing was an actual falcon that, that he used. Right. And he flew around on, you know, mechanical wings. The idea that they made him former, like, like a pararescue guy. Yeah. Um, so smart they able, that they were able to use Red Wing, like make this drone. And based off of some of the promos we've seen from Falcon and Winter Soldier, it sounds like Red Wing is, is going to be making an appearance in the show as well. Um, mm -hmm. You might not love all of the, all of the decisions that you have to make when you're, when you're taking a, a comic and putting it on the big screen. 
But uh, Marvel has such a great track record, yeah, and Bucky yeah. and Sam are great examples of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, another real quick thing to mention with uh, Winter Soldier is it is also the first introduction of Sharon Carter. Yes. Uh, Peggy Carter's niece, who is also a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, uh, and who has been assigned to kind of... Uh, keep an eye on Cap. So we meet her there. Uh, she also plays a big role in the end as one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that stands up to HYDRA. Um, and uh, as we do get into Civil War, um, we do see a couple things. One, uh, we see the introduction of Baron of Zemo. Uh, you know, uh, Baron Zemo from the comics becomes Zemo, uh, former um, Zok Sokovian colonel, who is who lost his family uh, when Ultron and the Avengers fought over the floating city of Sokovia, and is really upset about it, uh, and kind of uses the Winter Soldier uh, to break the Avengers apart. Uh, we get Sharon Car we get Sharon Carter revealing that she is Peggy Carter's niece to Cap. We get a little bit of a romance between them, and with the Sokovia Accords happening, and Cap and Tony sort of at uh, uh, butting heads about it, and then this reveal that the Winter Soldier is uh, seemingly behind this bombing of the Sokovia Accords, it sends Cap down a road with Sam Wilson right by his side, where he goes to prove Bucky's innocence, and in doing so, more or less rips the Avengers apart. Uh, so again, it really does take, uh, like I said, it takes this moment with Cap and Bucky from the first Avengers movie and has built to this point where Cap's uh, faith in his friend, um, despite the entire world telling him not to believe in it, uh, drives him to sort of make the decisions that he makes that, like I said, does kind of ultimately bring the Avengers apart. But important things for where we're going into Falcon and Winter Soldier is... Uh, you see Sam right there by uh, Steve's side the whole time. You see that uh, the relationship between Steve and Bucky is one of the most important, enduring relationships in the Marvel Universe. What, whoever's dominant, whoever's submissive, it's yeah. a great relationship. Um, Sharon Carter uh, kind of going against S.H.I.E.L.D. orders to help them. And this is where we first start to get the really funny comic interplay between Sam and Bucky as the two of them kind of meet for the first time and really don't get along at all. Uh, some really, really fun dynamics between them. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of Civil War, we end up with Steve Rogers breaking Sam and a few others out of uh, the giant prison that they are in um, uh, for breaking the Sokovia Accords and heading off to be fugitives from the law. And we get uh, Bucky being frozen in Wakanda until they can figure out what the fuck to do with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 dynamic that they introduce in Civil War between Sam and Bucky, and you know, Civil War is—I don't know if it's quite two and a half hours, but but it's a long movie, and there's a lot of movie that they stuff in there. But the the dynamic that we start to get a sense of between Sam and Bucky is so funny. Mm -hmm. Like like Bucky in his Winter Soldier mind, he kicks Sam's ass. Like he he lays him out, and then when they're able to kind of bring him back, and they've got his metal arm and that in that vice, he, he throws out a tidbit of their history. Steve's like, well, you can't read that in a history book. And Sam's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just like that, we're supposed to trust him. And yeah. then you start to see the comedy, the, the comedy chemistry that these two have. The moment in the, in the tiny little German car yeah. when Bucky asks Sam if he can move his seat up. And he yeah. says no. And then you get the two of them paired up in the airport fight going up against Spider-Man. And it's just such great, it, it, it's such great chemistry 
between these two performers. And fingers crossed, that's what we will get more of in the yeah. show. Yeah, and, and you can't, like you mentioned, uh, 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 Peggy Carter's niece, or grand, great-grandniece, uh, uh, Sharon, you can't uh, remove Peggy Carter from the equation as well. She looms over this big with her and Cap and that relationship. You know, we're seeing this. I imagine the series is going to take place, uh, obviously, after the blip uh so this is what they were saying so what's that situation because remember both of them and we'll get to that in in us in a little bit but both of them uh were were uh, uh blipped out there in infinity war but you look at peggy carter this whole relationship cap cap surrendering the shit all that is connected to peggy mm-hmm. what is sharon's role in all of this i wonder and what she's what's she going to do is she going to be on which side is she going to be on and the truth is both of these guys are fantastic because you're right uh, they have great chemistry together, and they're both dominants, and I love that. They're both, they're, neither one of them wants to be the submissive in that relationship, and I think that's going to lead to some fun, fun interplay between I'm these two. I'm so guys. uncomfortable, so <laughs> uncomfortable. But uh, also, the, I love the idea that these are both guys that are scarred from their military service. I think this yeah. is important for me personally, as I've watched this journey of these two gentlemen. Is both of them are scarred from serving the country uh, because of stuff that happened while, either while they were serving or uh, uh, stuff that happened as a result of their service. And I think that's an important new element that's going to feel so far away from WandaVision in one respect, and in another respect feels very connected to WandaVision and some other stuff we may be seeing coming down the road for sure. So I love all of that uh, up to this point of our review of these two gentlemen. Uh, uh, Mikey, uh, please keep going. Yeah. Uh, well, one really important note, uh, you know, Zemo uh, mm. is arrested at the end of Civil War, but kind of feels like he succeeded and he's not wrong. I mean, he did kind of tear the Avengers apart uh, and we kind of leave him uh, in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s care. And that is all we know of Zemo up to this point. Yeah. Then, of course, we get to Infinity War. A whole lot happens. There's Thanos. There's Infinity Stones. You've seen the movie. We don't have to go through all of it. But again, the most important parts here are that we catch up with Steve, Natasha, uh, Wanda, and Falcon, who have all been on the run. Uh, public enemy number one, for the, as far as the government is concerned. They've all been breaking the law. They broke the Sokovia Accords. Yeah. They're fugitives. They've been doing their own thing. They catch up with everybody, get back to Avengers Mansion, head to Wakanda because they need someone to take Vision's mind stoned out. Uh, and they catch up with Bucky, who has been there. And Wakanda has kind of like, it's been a good healing time. It was like, that was his, uh, that was his, uh, time away at the special resort to, uh, take a moment to heal himself. He's in some, he's in some nice robes. His hair is very conditioned. It looks very, very clean and lustrous. (laughs) And he's happy and he's good. Uh, a lot of fighting happens. Things go down. Thanos wins and, uh, both Falcon and Bucky blip. So we get to Endgame. They've been gone for five years. They're not in the majority of the movie. But Falcon arguably gets one of the most iconic lines again in all of Marvel history when Steve Rogers, Captain America, is up against Thanos' army and he hears Falcon say, Mr. McClung? On your left. Mm. There it is. Uh, So that he comes out swinging. Bucky comes out swinging. There is a big battle. Thanos loses. Tony Stark dies. Lots of stuff goes down. Um, And then probably the thing that leads directly into Falcon and Winter Soldier and the most important part of this whole journey is the very end of Endgame where we see uh, Joe Biden slash old Steve Rogers (laughs) 
as far as I'm concerned, they are one and the same. It is the same guy. Uh, but we see him. Uh, we see old Steve Rogers show up. He's got the shield. Uh, you know, he, he, uh, Bucky, he, well, before Steve leaves, he says his goodbyes to Bucky. Old Steve Rogers shows up. Falcon goes over. Uh, and Falcon gets the shield, and yeah. Steve tells him that he, he, he's the guy. He is Captain America. So oh. we leave Endgame knowing that, uh, that Falcon is, as far as Steve Rogers is concerned, right. the new Captain America. And that kind of leads us through the movies up to where we will catch up with them in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But uh, for those of you that are not comic book people, if you do look towards the comic books and look towards some of the things that are in there in some of the arcs, particularly Sam Wilson's Captain America arc, you can get some good guesses as to what is going to be going down in this show. Um, but before that, any, do you, uh, gentlemen, do any, any thoughts, any, any, any I, things you want to say? So well, two, so two, yeah. oh, sorry, John. No, 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 go ahead, Shane, go ahead. I'll just say two, two quick things. Like, as much as I loved Infinity War, that's when I would have been okay with it being a half hour longer because I wanted to see more from that Bucky-Steve reunion. Mm. I wanted to see the Bucky-Sam reunion because, again, these guys, they don't really know each other that well. Right, they, right. Their, their relationship thus far has been a little, a little chaotic. So that was something that I wanted to see, but certainly understand why you can't see it. Question for you guys, and, and maybe I should say this to the end, but I'll just throw this out real quick. As the Russo brothers directing Civil War and Steve and Sharon have had this sort of awkward flirtation, they do have that kiss. Do they know that Steve is going to end up with Peggy two, movie, two movies later? Ooh. I think no. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not as egregious as Luke and Leia making out in Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but I do think they didn't quite know. Uh, but I do think... Yeah. Well, go, what were you going to say, Johnny? I was going to say, and there's nothing wrong with a man exploring something for a moment. They never go back to it. And right. his real love is always Peggy. And you could so, argue that he kissed Sharon because she's related to Peggy. I, that same kind of energy. Kind of to John's point, actually, I don't, I don't think they knew exactly what they were going to do. I don't think they knew. Maybe they did. I mean, like sometimes you, you, you talk to these guys and they're like, we didn't know what the fuck was going to happen in Infinity War, but we knew this was the last shot. So maybe they did, but I think that whether they did or they didn't, you can tell with Steve and Sharon Carter that they hedged their bets. Yeah. They, they, they had a little bit of a, of a connection. They had a little bit of a flirtation. They had the moment where they kissed. But it never went much beyond that. And to John's point, it kind of left it open for had they wanted to go down that road further on uh, for any reason, they probably could have. And if they wanted to do what they did, which is, look, you're great, but really, Peggy's my girl. It doesn't feel like when I go back and watch Civil War, that kiss between them doesn't feel like icky to me or anything like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's going to be addressed in the show. Like, hey, your buddy, your buddy kissed me. Then he went back in time to go be with my great aunt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, you know, how many people can say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, but, I mean, it's the relationships here that I think that are going to be the foundation of the show as we go into this. Because uh, we've already had so many announcements of people uh, that are going to be in the show. Uh, Wyatt Russell uh, is going to be in the show. He's been in the trailer. And he's essentially playing the character of Jack Walker, who becomes Super Patriot, right? And there are a number of iterations of Super Patriot in the comics Captain America, U.S. agent, which version will he be? I don't know. Are they going to play around with things? I don't know. But I like the idea that you're throwing in 
this argument for America, right? You've got a black American's experience. You've got a PTSD survivor's experience ingratiating himself back into the country who's been around for a hundred years or however long he's been around. And then you've got this other version that is the more nefarious, the more, you know, less like American exceptionalism type approach to foreign policy that we have had in this country for a number of decades. Will super patriot reflect that, you know, the ethics and the morals only reach so far as to be uh, beneficial to America, yeah. not to the world. And that's going to be such so many interesting dynamics to throw into one show. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, the two uh, v- villain, antihero, whatever you want to call them, characters mm-hmm. that we know are going to be in the show are both, as John said, John Walker slash U.S. agent uh, and Flag Smasher. Uh, which in the mm. comics is Carl Morgenthau, but in the mo- in the series you've seen her. It's uh, Carly Morgenthau, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is is kind of part of the Flag Smashers. And so for super super Cliff's Notes versions, uh, Flag Smasher in the comics and Flag Smashers ostensibly as a group are uh, people who are anti nationalist, anti fascist, believe in open borders, tearing down nations, let people be free. Uh, and U.S. agent to Johnny's point is sort of the government sanctioned Captain America who is like i believe in uh usa patriotism the way the government tells me to believe in it and yeah. so when you look at those things and you combine them with the fact that uh the plot in the comics of sam wilson captain america which is a few years ago in the comics when sam also became captain america yeah uh was that captain america gave him the shield said you are captain america and basically uh america uh, the government was like no we don't think you are Captain America. And a lot of people in the comics were like, we don't want a black Captain America. Yeah. Uh, And so that was from the comics. So combining that, uh, in that arc, Sam Wilson did fight with U.S. agent. U.S. agent showed up from uh, via the government and said, hey, give us back the shield. It's ours. So when you take these things from the comics and you look at sort of the ideology of these characters, you start to really line up the fact that this is probably going to be one of the more political oh, yeah. uh, Marvel TV series that's really going to dive into in the absence of Captain America, exactly what Johnny said, which is, what does it mean to be a hero? Yeah. What does it mean to be a patriot? Uh, what does it mean uh, to be an American? I mean, I think that, you know, I think that that really does seem to be the direction, given the characters that are there, given what they represent, how they are on the board, that does seem to be the direction that we're going in. And I think it's going to be really, like, I'm stoked. I mean, in in one sense, it's like, is is that a little bit, uh, too sensitive for us right now as a country, given what we're dealing with. And in another sense, it's like, bring that shit on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shannon. The, 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 so they could not have known that this January 6th riot at the Capitol was going to happen. I'm not trying to get political here, but you can't help but connect these stories to that situation and explore the idea of patriotism. What a person defines it as for themselves, who is an American citizen. And so some people may watch this and actually be on Super Patriot side that actually be on the Flag Smasher's side. Some people may watch this and not be on Falcon's side. Some people watch this and we adamantly on Falcon's side. So this is going to be a very interesting experience on the MCU side of things. And um, and I, I know I want to hear what you think, but also I think this is brilliant what the MCU is doing. They are pushing back against people who've been saying for years, 
oh, it's kind of a factory. As long as you keep it funny, blah, blah, blah. They're really exploring some shit with these shows. WandaVision certainly explored that. And now we're getting this uh, on the military side of things, on the patriot side of things, on the American citizen side of things. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think leading up to, um, leading up to Endgame, the smart money was that Steve is going to sacrifice himself. Tony is going to survive mm-hmm. because in no way would Marvel want to kill off the guy that kicked this whole thing off. And right. then we saw like it was a brilliant, I mean, brilliant arc that the writers did for both of them that it, it got set up in the Avengers when Tony said everything special about you came out of a bottle and Steve mm. said to Tony, you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play. And they both they both make that journey yeah. and do it. Um, but the, a big question amongst the fan base was, who is going to get that shield? Yeah. And a lot of folks just sort of presumed that Bucky would get it. Because in the comics, Bucky was the first one to take on the mantle yeah. before Sam. And I don't know if this was with the writers or if this was with the Russo brothers, but they were talking about the decision for Steve to give the uh, shield to Sam yeah. and how it was St- uh, uh, Sam is unblemished. Sam is the pure one. Like right. Bucky, Bucky has a lot of things that he has to atone for. Even though he wasn't in control, he still did these things. Yeah, he has and, the flashes his head. Yeah. 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 And then you hear the dialogue, it's, and it's in the promo where Sebastian Stan says, that shield means a lot of things to a lot of people. And maybe that's kind of him knowing, like, I, I, could, never, I could never carry that shield. You can. I mean, it's so... I, I'm, when, the, when the marketing first came out for Falcon Winter Soldier, this was the show, after the announcements, it's the one I was the most excited, mm-hmm. uh, excited for. Because of all the Marvel movies, I like the Captain America movies the best. And those first trailers, I wasn't into it because it was just the action. Now, I right. love action. Um, but I've also seen a lot of action. Like, to get me excited based purely off the action, it has to be something mind-blowing. And you're not going to show that at the beginning. The thing that's going to get people excited for the series is the, is the character dynamics, is yeah. watching these two guys interact with each other, knowing that, like, the thing that we have in common is gone. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do we relate? How do we go yeah. forward? Yeah, a lot of us have been in those relationships with friends. We're friends because we're friends with their friends. But once that friend is removed, do you have the same kind of friendship? Not everyone can be Michael Vogel. So the rest of us <laughs> have to navigate those kinds of situations. As I mean, I, did, I didn't say it. I didn't say it, but I'm you not going to deny true. it. You know, it's true. <laughs> one, more, one more thing I want to throw in here uh, is uh, don't forget that Balrock the Leaper has been announced to be part of the show. As Batrock, well. so, yeah, Batrock. Batrock, 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 Batrock Jesus. Uh, Georgia St. Pierre <laughs> is coming back. So... Yes, there'll be some gritty stuff, but having him involved, I think, will add some humor as well, uh, the Marvel-type humor uh, uh, as well. So that's going to be exciting to see what his role is going to be because he had an awesome fight with Captain America in uh, The Winter Soldier. And also uh, yeah. and also, just with, with Zemo, I think what's really interesting yeah. is the way that Zemo has been characterized via Civil War is he's not some crazy supervillain. Like, he uses... Uh, the emotional weaknesses of the characters. Mm-hmm. He uses the fact that Cap, he knows Cap will protect Bucky, and the knowledge that Bucky assassinated Tony's parents yeah. as the wedge to drive the Avengers apart. And 
as we've been talking about, in a world where you have all of these different ideologies, you have this absence of Captain America, you have Bucky on one side who has his demons from what he's done, and you have Sam on the other side who, Steve Rogers said, you're Captain America, but remember, this guy like broke the Sokovia Accords. Like He's mm-hmm. been on the run, so he's uh, technically, even though he did just help save half the universe, right. uh, still technically a fugitive. And so I think Zemo coming in and doing kind of the similar thing that he did in Civil War, which is kind of push people in different directions using the truth, using their weaknesses uh, to to push ideologies and uh, push people against each other. It's like, you know, he fans the flames, just like fake news does on social media. And I think watching him do that in the context of superheroes is something that that I think we're going to see and that I'm excited to see. Yeah, and one other thing on the Falcon side of things, uh, Carl Lumley has been announced to be a part of the series, and a lot of people are speculating that Carl Lumley is going to be playing the original first black Captain America, Isaiah Bradley. Yep. So will that be, who is one of the 300 U.S. soldiers that the U.S. Army experimented on to perfect the super yeah. soldier serum? Listen, we're doing our rewatch of the MCU. That super soldier serum comes up in The Incredible Hulk. Uh, with about, with uh, what happens to Tim Roth's character, the abomination. So this thing has been around and been misused and been, you know, th- this is this has a history, the serum itself. So what role will Carl Lovely play in this? And of course, a lot of, we're seeing it nowadays, a lot of people in the black community having issues with this vaccine coming out, not trusting it because of the actual history that America has uh, with experimenting on black people uh, uh, for vaccines or for viruses or what have you. So there's a lot of mistrust in the black community over that. So I hope they lean into that as well and explore that some more uh, to make it even more of a real series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say the same. Yeah. I, I think the same thing. And mm. in the, it's, it comes from the comic book truth, red, white, and black by yes. Robert Morales and drawn by Kyle Baker, uh, where Isaiah Bradley first came from. And as Johnny said, it was this idea that long before they used the super soldier serum on a white soldier, they did a lot of experimentation on black soldiers yeah. and that there is a captain America who a, who is black, who predates Steve Rogers. And, Given everything that it seems that this series is getting into, uh, I would be very surprised if they did not go down that road. If Carl yeah. Lee is not actually playing that role, so I think yeah. that's also something. Uh, which you know, I, people are going to be. I imagine if 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 Falcon and Soldier goes down the roads that we're all talking about, I think some people are going to be super into it. Uh, and you can just hear the people right yeah. now saying, why do, why can't these superheroes just be entertainment? Why does it have to get political? But uh, I, for one, welcome this as a way to sort of distill a lot of what's going on in our country and have like a good discussion about it. So I'm sure as we get into our weekly reviews, we will have a lot to talk about. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you mentioned Truth, Red, and White, Black. I do want to give a shout-out to some other things. This is recommended by the great people over at Vanity Fair, Anthony Bresnik, and a number of the people, Joanna Robinson, hosting a podcast. They've also recommended these books. If you want to do some reading to accompany this, because I had a text from a friend of mine today who knew I saw the first episode, and she had seen it, and she's like, wait, what's this mean? What's this mean? What's this mean? So if you want to do a little research for yourself, and if you have the time, Truth, Red, White, and Black, as Michael just mentioned, 
Championship, but also Captain America Winter Soldier, which came out in 2006. The comic book, Winter Soldier, the Complete Collection. Winter Soldier, The Bitter March. Uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson, which came out in 2012. So very recent. Uh, Winter Soldier, Second Chances. And Falcon and Winter Soldier, which came out actually last year and is already continuing on into this year. So if you want to do some extra reading to give you some even more context of what you're watching, you can go down that path as well. So, uh, my- of course, if you're not a if you're not a reader and you just yeah. want to have that context, you can also tune in to our weekly reviews where we will cover all of it every yeah. week for you. That's right. And my, please, uh, and and we're, we're we should announce now we are going to be doing it. And uh, our fourth. Uh, is the name we just mentioned a few minutes ago, Mike Kalinowski, who is a <laughs> hardcore Captain America fan. He is going to be joining us. No intel on the rumors that he will wear the Captain America outfit during the reviews, but certainly he will be there uh, to have some fun discussions uh, with us as well. Whether the beard goes all the way to nomad lengths, we'll see, but certainly it'll be fun to have Mike Kalinowski returning consistently back on the Geek Buddies to review Captain America, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to review Falcon and Winter Soldier with us because he's such a big Captain American, uh, Captain America aficionado for sure. That's gonna be yeah. We're, we are we are presuming he's bringing the shield to the Justice League review, but maybe the <laughs> uniform for the Falcon and Winter Soldier review. Fair, fair. <laughs> I'm down with that. I'm down with that. But yeah, look look for our uh, announcements for that. We will be doing those uh, pre-recorded, and then maybe we'll do a live review like we've done a live finale review like we did with Mandalorian and with WandaVision with Mike as well. So that'll be fun. So Kalinowski on board with the Geek Buddies for this run of the MCU uh, series here. Uh, All right. Anything else to touch on or are we good? I think we've covered it. Okay. That's the road to Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's uh, the final episode. That's this episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to us. Remember, we are available wherever you download podcasts as well. Uh, Shannon, what are we going to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Listen, I don't know if you're dominant. I don't know if you're submissive. I don't know your life. And I don't kink shame. You do what you want to do. That's cool. But what I can tell you is we're glad you're watching and we want more of you to watch. Uh, So here's some things. Here's some things that you can do for us uh, (laughs) as we as we soak in everything that I just said. Uh, Definitely leave a comment below. Let us know what you thought of this episode. What are you excited about about Falcon and Winter Soldier? Which Ewok movie is your favorite? Uh, Let us know. We love checking the comments. We love engaging with you guys there. Uh, Definitely like this post. Definitely subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page for all of the amazing content there. Uh, And if you are listening to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are downloadable. Uh, leave us some stars, leave us some ratings, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so that more people can find us. And the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, share this video, post it on your Facebook page, text it to your friends, check these guys out. And like we said, uh, as so many of you who have found us recently have found, we have our review shows. They're awesome. We really love you guys uh, coming to those, all the engagement that you're driving there. Uh, So definitely, it's going to be a big week for us. Like Johnny said, you can look for the Falcon 
Falcon and Winter Soldier review coming out this weekend. And then on Sunday, check out our live Justice League review with Mike Kalinowski. It is going to be a hoot. I will definitely be drinking. Uh, and beyond that, uh, thanks for being part of the, uh, the Big Geek Buddies community. Yeah, thank you all so much. I don't even know how I'm going to steer a four-hour uh, uh, review. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do that, but we'll figure it out for God's sakes. Uh, all right, thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you next time on another brand-new episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.